This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Welcome back on board to the Danny Mac podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I'm the Danny Mac part, and uh, you're with me today for NFL Week Two review. And you know what the lead is the Bears coming up radically short against the Green Bay Packers Sunday night on NBC with Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth presiding over the Emerald Turf at Historic Lambeau Field for the 205th meeting between the two clubs. And there was some amazing stuff that happened in this game for both sides. But um, it didn't match some of the bizarre activities we'd witnessed earlier in the day. And I want to walk you through some of that stuff after I do the Bears and Packers and a couple of good ones to wrap up the second week of the 2022 season tonight with Tennessee and Buffalo, the Bills out of the gate, very strong. Many expect Buffalo to be the Super Bowl champion this year. They were our favorite at Bet Rivers. And the Vikings and the Eagles, Minnesota, fresh off of its 23-7 win over Green Bay in week one. Are they that good Uh, especially defensively because Aaron Rodgers didn't do anything on opening day against the Vikings. Well, Philadelphia may have something to say about that. The Eagles are a pretty good football team as well. They survived week one against Detroit and are expected to be the class of the NFC East for whatever that is worth. The Packers 27, the Bears 10. In Matt Eberflus's first date against the division rivals, it's the first time he has gone back to the locker room as Bears headmaster with his team winding up short on the scoreboard. They ran the table in their preseason schedule, and of course the opening day went over the 49ers one week ago, which now seems like a very, very long time ago. There's an old adage in boxing, and this This pertains to other sports as well, especially contact sports. And I didn't spend any amount of serious time training to be a boxer when I was a teenager. But there was a kid across the street where I grew up on the south side of Highland, Indiana, named Kevin Stanley, who was a real scrawny, scrappy kid, about six, seven years older than most of us in the neighborhood. And he would wear... Uh, He was a CYO fighter. He fought golden gloves at the Hammond Civic Center. He was a very skilled boxer. He would wear sweatshirts in the summer and jog when it was hot. He was a maniac with old school. Maybe it wasn't so old school at the time, but uh, an old style method of training for fights. And briefly, when I was in eighth grade, I asked him to teach me a little bit 
about the sweet science that is pugilism, that is boxing. And he told me, rule number one, when your opponent doesn't defend something, you keep attacking that weakness until he proves he can stop it. A jab is not likely at any point to be a knockout punch, but when you deliver it enough times, it sets itself up for knockout punches, whether it's a a cross or an uppercut or a big roundhouse hook. The jab can be very, very valuable. And in their first series of the game, the Bears were jabbing and jabbing and jabbing and were incredibly successful in doing so. After the Packers opened the scoring with a 3 to nothing field goal, and that's a nice defense by the Bears I'll get to in a little bit, Chicago gets uh, the football and goes 71 yards in seven plays. They never got into a third down situation that first series of the games. There were the series of the game. There was four rushes from David Montgomery. Two of them went for first downs, a 12-yard inside run on second and six, and a 13-yard run on the edge on first and 10. Fields connected with Equinemius St. Brown for 30 yards on a second and 10 from the Bears' 45, so they can set up shop first and 10 from the Green Bay 25, never forced into third down, jab, 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 finally the right cross, uh, a short touchdown run from Fields, and the Bears have a 7-3 lead over Green Bay. Unfortunately, that was all she wrote in the words of Carl Spackler. Watched Caddyshack with my son Patrick Saturday night. The Bears were horrible offensively the rest of the way. It is going to be so easy for Bears fans to jump and scream today and pound their fists on the on the dashboard when they're listening to Sports Yak or hosts to pound their fists on the console sitting in front of them. I don't know what the expectation was going into this game. Green Bay was a 10 and in some places a 10 and a half point favorite. Not many people gave the Bears much of a chance at winning. And you know what? When we started this thing anyway, anybody who has half a brain was willing to recognize this 22 season for Team Eberflus is not going to be judged by the record. And as much as Bears fans want to get that taste of victory against Green Bay again, it's been a while since they've enjoyed that flavor this is going to be a year that has a lot of growing pains for the Bears. So the final probably nothing you expected, what you want to see is growth. And there had been reasons to believe, even though three of these first four wins were preseason scrimmages, the Bears coaching staff was willing to look at the talent assembled and predicate an offense and defense based on that. Look at the talent you have and then shape your playbook, your game plan evolution situationally as you go along. You have to read the talent you have and not be committed to a system. When you're system committed and the athletes don't match up, man, you're in for a hell of a long ride. It's not going to go your way very often. And I thought the first series of the game, Luke Getze calls a wonderful series. You don't get in third down and you're blocking people 
and you're doing the right things. They took care of the ball and, and they do a nice job. And then we don't see it the rest of the night. Where'd it go? Where did it go? And to his credit, Chris Collinsworth in the booth was was willing to report on that and said, you know what? What is this? Why why are you running shotgun? Why are the Bears getting away from what was a very effective game plan with David Montgomery shouldering most of the load? He had several big runs on that first series, and he winds up having a terrific game uh, overall. We'll get to some individuals in a, in a in a moment here, but Montgomery was a huge factor early on, and he did late in the game as well. But it was a little bit out of hand at that point because when you're not when you're not challenging the opponent uh, defensively, you're not giving their offense much resistance. It's easy to abort the running game and and forget all about it. The Bears didn't do that last night, but they didn't they didn't muscle up the way they did on that first series. And as a result, it's a long long night for the Bears, but growth evidenced Kyler Gordon, the rookie DB, uh with a pass defended in the end zone, one-on-one with Alan Lazard on second and 15. This is on Green Bay's first drive when they're going right down the field, and it looks like it's going to be one of those routes. Well, Gordon makes a nice play on Lazard and defends that pass. The very next play, Travis Gibson follows that with a sack, and Green Bay has to settle for a field goal. Uh, Mason Crosby trots out and kicks a 40-yarder, and the Packers lead 3 to nothing. That's survivable, and we talked about things uh, all summer about what you need to see from this Bears defense. You need to see somebody other than Robert Quinn, who had a nice play late in the game last night, had a nice sack, set a team record in sacks last year. You need to see other guys get after the quarterback, Travis Gibson, with the big play early, forcing Green Bay into into settling for a field goal. Kyler Gordon, the youngster, making a big play after he'd been beaten. It was a nice recovery on his half. You want to see Jaquan Brisker the rookie out of Penn State, the safety, number nine. You want to see him make big plays. That hasn't happened consistently enough just yet. But answering the bell early, growth from young players, that's what this season is going to be measured by. And the coaches have to show they can grow too. And why they wanted to put Justin Fields in shotgun when they had the ball fourth and goal at the Green Bay one-yard line later in the game is unconscionable to me. And they were called out on it. Why would you lose that five yards where you're trying to get him momentum? Fields didn't read the lane very well after his first hesitation, and he moved instead of going a little bit to his right. He went left. It was congested. He didn't get the ball in the end zone and the Bears the Bears forfeit the ball on downs. They they lose possession. Green Bay had the ball all night because the Bears didn't stop the run. And that goes back to jab, jab, jab. Aaron Jones was terrific last night for the Packers. He had 15 carries for 132 yards. That's an average of 8.8 yards per carry and also ran for a touchdown. In tandem with A.J. Dillon last week, 
uh, against the Vikings. That that duo only had 15 rushes. So Jones gets 15 uh, last night. A.J. Dillon had 18 carries for 61 yards. That's a marked upgrade for Green Bay. It, it, it shows that they are still going to stay committed to the run. Uh, obviously, when Jones is getting off almost nine yards per carry, you're going to keep giving him the football, but Dylan only averaging 3.4 yards per carry, still getting lots of chances. And that, that, was, that was smart. They shortened the game by doing so. Green Bay possessed the football for 37 minutes and 15 seconds. That's how you win in the league. You you win in this league by converting on third down. The Packers did it five out of nine times. They had 26 first downs to the Bears, 11 in the game. The Bears were one out of seven on third down. One out of seven. And 0-1, 0-1 on fourth down. That was the field's attempted quarterback rush for a touchdown out of the shotgun formation. The Bears ran only 41 plays the entire night to Green Bay 66. The Packers amassed 414 total yards to the Bears' impotent 228. Both teams suffered three sacks on the night. Net passing yards for the Bears, 41. 41 net passing yards. Justin Fields' numbers were dreadful. This is not 21st century football. 7 out of 11 for 70 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. I mentioned the three sacks, a rating of 43.8. He ran it eight times for 20 yards and a touchdown. Rodgers, much better than he was last week against the Vikings. He still got chased around quite a bit. He was sacked three times, but he posts a rating of 131.1 by going 19 of 25 for 234 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and Aaron Rodgers is now 23-5 and in regular season games against the Bears. Green Bay now has won seven straight in the series. They've covered the spread nine of their last 11 meetings against Chicago. The Bears have Houston next week at Soldier Field. The Texans were dreadful Sunday in Denver. They were two out of 13 on third down. This is a game the Bears need to win to get some confidence back to get some momentum going it's not going to make them a playoff team but you're not going to have an easier an easier par four on the season than this one coming up against davis mills and the texans green bay goes to tampa it's gotten to the point in this bears green bay series and most of you don't remember this maybe you've heard the uh, the legend of it. When he was coaching the Indiana football team years ago, ESPN college football analyst Lee Corso called a timeout after his Hoosiers took a 7 nothing lead against Ohio State, and he took a team picture in the end zone because the scoreboard at that time was right above the, the back end line, and it said Indiana 7, Ohio State nothing. He was willing to take the delay of game penalty because Indiana never beats Ohio State and they never have a lead. It's getting to the point 
where the Bears need to take a team photo when they take that 7-3 lead. That's how bad it's gotten in this series. And the Packers tie their their series second best series streak of seven wins between 94 and 98 green bay won 10 straight against the bears so it's turnaround time it's a thumbs down for the bears it it, it didn't go well they they uh, they didn't abort game plan but they 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 attacked the defense in ways that were nonsensical based on what they were gaining out of good old fashioned you know, run straight ahead offense in the first series of the game, and then they want to get cute and drop people and shotgun on short yardage and just not have the ball. And you you can't beat a better team like that. You can't. You got to keep guys like Aaron Rodgers off the field. The game of the day, without question Sunday, was Miami's come from behind when over the Baltimore Ravens, 42-38. to 38. This is a game that's going to be talked about all season. Is it the coming out party for Tua Tagliavailoa? And what does this mean for the Ravens on the other side of that? The Ravens blew a huge lead. Miami scored 28 fourth quarter points and made Ravens fans forget all about the magnificent day Lamar Jackson was having. Jackson was having a 2018 MVP type game until Tua took over. He steals the show in the fourth quarter. On the day, Taglia Viola went 36 of 50 for 469 yards and six touchdowns. Both Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell had a couple of receiving yards and almost 200 receiving yards each. There was busted coverage on Hill's second touchdown. Where is the safety? The corner clearly knew it was it was cover two. He passes Hill off to the safety, who is nowhere in the picture. And as dramatic as it was, and I got no reason to root against Tua. I, if Tua succeeds in this league, great. We need more young, great quarterbacks in the league. I'm not sure if Lamar Jackson is as good as we thought he was four years ago. So, if Tagliavailoa winds up being a great quarterback, I'm good with that. But is this is this more on him for being a great NFL quarterback, or is this on the Ravens for not closing? That's a terrible loss. I don't recall any loss in Ravens history, not that I have all of them committed to memory, but I don't recall them losing a game like this one. And John Harbaugh came very, very close to losing it after the game yesterday. He was not happy with his football team. And how can you blame him? 42 to 38, Miami wins. And Baltimore, man, you, you got you got no running backs. You, your, your quarterback rushes for 119 yards Sunday because he has to. And when he busted off that 79-yard touchdown run at the late in the third quarter, you think that that's it. This thing is over. Dolphins didn't quit. Ravens were already thinking about where they were going for dinner and drinks. They lose to the Dolphins 42 to 38. And that's a division that's takeable based on the way the defending AFC champions started. So let me get next to the Cowboys and Bengals. 20 to 17. Dallas beats Cincinnati. 
Cincinnati is now 0-2, and they're in trouble. And it's not they can't recover and win the AFC North. Pittsburgh's going nowhere. You know, I'm not sure what Baltimore is going to be. Cleveland lost to the Jets yesterday. But they had better protect Joe Burrow. He got his brains beaten in again yesterday. Burrow was sacked six times. If you're going to be around in late January, you got to find a way to keep Burrow vertical. He's not going to help you when he's lying on his backside all day. And they didn't get Joe Mixon involved early enough. Dallas ran the ball well enough. They stayed committed to that. Defensively, however, they put on a show. Micah Parsons and Dorrance Armstrong each had a couple of sacks of uh, Burrow. There was a great pass defended by Trayvon Diggs late in the game. And that sets the stage for Brett Maher's 50-yard field goal as time expired. That negated a 19-play, 83-yard drive by the Bengals. Burrow to T. Higgins for the touchdown, and then Burrow to Tyler Boyd for the two-pointer to tie the game 17-17, but Dallas wins it 20-17, and Cooper Rush is unbeaten as the Cowboys quarterback. He won a game last year, and he's won this game this year. On in relief of Dak Prescott for a long, long time, likely the year, Cowboys win, and the Bengals seem to be reeling. Earlier in the day, New England over the Steelers, 20-17. to 17. The Steelers did not stretch the field once for Mitch Trubisky. And now the debate begins in Pittsburgh. Is it, is it time already for Kenny Pickett, the first rounder out of Pitt, the hometown hero, to take the reins and, and become the Steelers quarterback? Kenny Pickett likely is going to be a better NFL quarterback than Mitch Trubisky, who I still don't think possesses the mental acuity to succeed consistently at the highest level. He has experience, however, and the experience is for anybody who's coached or played, even at the amateur level, you have got to challenge a defense over the top at least a couple of times a game to make them play honestly. Everything Pittsburgh called yesterday when they were throwing the ball was underneath stuff. It was either horizontal or it was underneath. They didn't ask Deontay Johnson once to just run as fast as he could. Give me a nine route. And I don't care if it's incomplete. But we are going to make that defense play honest. They didn't do that to the Patriots at all yesterday. And the Patriots took advantage. They win the game 20-17. to 17. It is not going to you know, take up as much Highlight time as it deserves to, but the catch of the day, you know, it's not as explosive as Hill and what he did with the Dolphins, but Nelson Aguilar takes the ball away from a defensive back 30 seconds before halftime to give New England a 10-3 lead. Mac Jones needs the confidence. Great coverage by the Steelers' DB. He was running step for step with Aguilar. He turned and looked for the ball. He had his hands in position to catch the ball. But Aguilar, who's a journeyman, and never really has caught on anywhere and made consistently a big difference, reaches in front of the DB's hands and pulls it away from him, keeps in stride, and uh, makes it into the end zone for that go-ahead touchdown. New England deserved that win. Pittsburgh absolutely 
deserved to lose. The Lions beat the Commanders yesterday, 36-27. to Jared Goff is doing what he was expected to do for Detroit when they made the trade. He threw four touchdown passes, was not intercepted yesterday. Amon Ra Brown, Amon Ra St. Brown, I should say, uh, a hard knocks hero, had the big day for Detroit, 116 yards in receiving. He had two touchdown catches. My preseason pick for defensive rookie of the year, Aiden Hutchinson, got it going yesterday for the Lions. He had three sacks, and I think all of them were in the first uh, first half. Detroit wins 36-27 over the Washington Commanders. Broncos and Texans yesterday. The Broncos defense dominated Houston all day. They may as well have worn the old orange crushed jerseys of Carl Mecklenburg, Lyle Alzado, and Barney Chavis. Houston, two out of 13 on third down. My biggest takeaway from this one is what in the hell was Denver GM George Payton thinking when he guaranteed $165 million? to Russell Wilson. Wilson was booed yesterday in Denver. He was only six of his first 20 at one point. Now he, he pulled it together to beat a lousy team. I'm not sure how many teams the Broncos would have beaten yesterday based on the way they played for the first three quarters, but they managed to muscle out a win against a, an impotent Houston team that's coming to Chicago in week three, Broncos 16, Texans 9, Seahawks and 49ers. San Francisco is Jimmy Garoppolo's team again. As fast as Trey Lance's ankle snapped, so has life returned to the 49ers. Jimmy G, well received by his teammates. Don't think for a second when Trey Lance wasn't voted a captain, that wasn't, that was not just a reflection of on teammates doubting Lance, it was a statement about how they felt about the highly paid Garoppolo, who did go to a Super Bowl a few years ago. 49ers had 45 rushing attempts yesterday. I like that. I, You know, if you've got a quarterback who is not going, you're not going to win because of very often, and you, that's, I'm not saying that's what Garoppolo is. He can win you games. He also can get you beat. But you have got to find a way to possess the football, and the 49ers did it for 38 and a half minutes yesterday. Nick Bosa had a couple of sacks, five quarterback hits. Long day for the Seahawks offense in Geno Smith. Three Seattle turnovers. 49ers did not give it away. They win that game 27 to 7. And as I keep bouncing around here, let me stick with two more late games before I get to a couple of other nooners that may have uh, slipped by you yesterday with everything else going on. The Cardinals beat the Raiders 29 to 23. In Sandlot football, Kyler Murray would be one of the first guys chosen in every neighborhood. But you don't. You don't take your team to the playoffs in the NFL by being a great Sandlot player. And I I still am not a Murray believer, but some of the magic he was able to create late in the game to pull the Cardinals back, running around for eight, ten seconds before finally deciding he's going to take it to the corner, he's going to hit that pylon, 
and and force overtime with a with a subsequent two pointer. He got that as well. And then the Cardinals get a walk off defensive touchdown in overtime. Byron Murphy going fifty nine yards with a fumble recovery. The Raiders didn't close. Still not there yet. This is a team I thought was a decent play at Bet Rivers to win the AFC West because it was a nice return on investment at 11 to 1. You're not even going to be a playoff team if you keep playing like that. In that AFC West, man, you better get it together fast, Derek Carr and the Raiders. Josh Jacobs, still not much of a difference maker for the Oakland running game. And uh, they're on the field too long yesterday. And when you're chasing Kyler Murray around, you're going to get tired. The Rams hung on and beat Atlanta 31-27 to Sunday afternoon. Another big day for Cooper Cup. He had 11 catches for 108 yards and two touchdowns. But it was a strip fumble late in the game by Cup that gave the Falcons one last life. And uh, and they didn't they didn't finish. The Rams hang on. 31-27. Matthew Stafford, a couple more interceptions, but uh the the Rams, you know, managed to escape after being outscored 17 to 3 in the fourth quarter. So they even up their season record at one and one. Giants 16, Panthers or Giants 19, Panthers 16. Yesterday, Matt Rule and the Panthers are winless through two weeks. In the first half, they did exactly what the game plan called for. Stop Saquon Barkley. After the first half, the Giants had no rushing yards. Brian DeBalls of Steel is wondering, hey, where'd that running game go? We thought last week Barkley was back to the form he exhibited as a a first-year, second-year player. Where is that? New York settled for field goals uh, after takeaways in the first half. Panthers gave it away twice. All, all the Giants can manage is six points out of that. Giants blitzed Baker Mayfield on third and seven. And Julian Love, number 20, drills him late in the game. That's a gutsy call to go for a blitz on third and seven when the Panthers were, were, were trying to come back and take that thing into overtime or maybe even win it. And then the Giants on the ensuing series, chewed up the clock. They were efficient enough running the ball in the second half to to muscle out an ugly 19-16 win. It's not ugly when you play the under. Our total at Bet Rivers was 43.5. That was a winning ticket in the noon window. I stayed off of Indianapolis and Jacksonville, and why wouldn't I? Man, the Colts are in trouble. The AFC South is not what you would describe as a meat grinder by any stretch, but you're 0-1-1, and you've played two games against divisional teams. When you looked at the schedule in August, you penciled in wins. Not not the case on opening day against Houston when they tied 20-20 and shut out by the Jaguars yesterday 24-0. Is Trevor Lawrence arriving? Or is is he benefiting yesterday, and I'm talking specifically about yesterday, from a Colts defense that, again, was missing one of the biggest playmakers in the league in Darius Shaquille Leonard. He missed yesterday. Michael Pittman missed for the Colts offense. Matt Ryan, who had a terrific August, not happening in September. He threw three picks yesterday 
and Indianapolis is winless. Jets over the Browns, 31-30 to yesterday. Here's something I bet nobody in America other than the guy's family members and teammates are aware of. Through two weeks, Joe Flacco is among the leading passers in the NFL. The Flack man again throws for more than 300 yards. Nice effort from Jacoby Brissett of the Browns, but it's it's not enough. Um, Browns had one turnover uh, on the day. They went 8 out of 12 on third down. They do a lot of things right. They only had five penalties. They had a slight edge in possession time. But the Jets exploded for 17 fourth quarter points, and they beat the Browns 31 to 30. That you know that does my heart good. I I, I enjoy seeing Jonah Hill struggle. Uh, Jonah Hill, Paul D. Podesta, character Jonah Hill played in Moneyball, even though they didn't call him Paul D. Podesta, they called him Peter Brandt in Moneyball. So, and uh, the last game I, I I got for you is Tampa and New Orleans, and I I, I, I it's the fighting that happened late in the ball game that resulted in the ejections of Marshawn Lattimore of the uh, Saints and Mike Evans of, of the Buccaneers. That's something I can do without, but it, it's something that happens when divisional teams, guys who don't like each other, see each other twice a year, get together, and Tom Brady had not done well against the Saints since arriving in Tampa. So, granted, the Buccaneers have a bit of a chip on the shoulder. Lattimore pushes Leonard Fournette of the Buccaneers, and then Mike Evans is the third guy in. Both Evans and Lattimore are kicked out. They both are hotheads. They have been historically. They're too good players to get kicked out of games by throwing punches. You can't throw punches, fellas. Fist flew, and the ejections ensued. Tampa ran the ball 30 times for only 72 yards yesterday. But what that does is it keeps Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara from killing you. They managed to even up time of possession. It was darn near, darn near, damn near 30 minutes each for the day yesterday. And Tampa survives that one 20 to 10 is, is the final very, very mortal day for the New Orleans offense. So there you have it. Week two uh, goes in the books tonight with the soon-to-be-crowned champion Buffalo Bills. Uh, Yeah, looking forward to seeing the Bills and the Titans, who were awful on opening day and blew a 13-0 lead at home and lost to the Giants. Didn't defend the run at all in the second half of that game. They're going to have to hit Josh Allen early and often if they're coming out of that thing tonight. Minnesota and Philadelphia also on tonight. I like Philadelphia in this game. That's my move tonight. I am playing the Eagles, and I am back Thursday with you on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network to talk about everything that happened tonight and preview the Bears in Houston and every everything that's going on news-wise this week. I'll be on top of that. The podcast usually will drop before noon on Thursdays, maybe a little bit earlier on Mondays. And that's going to be the schedule all year unless the Bears have a Monday or a Thursday night game. They do have a Thursday night date in mid-October against the Commanders. Uh, Ron Rivera returning to Soldier Field. I'll have that podcast for you on Friday morning instead of Thursday because I want to be on top of the Bears. And why wouldn't you after that sterling effort against the Packers? 
The Bears have lost seven straight against Green Bay. 27-10, the final uh, Sunday night at Lambeau Field for uh, my executive producer, Sam Michael, and the big boss man at Bet Rivers, Adam Delavitt. I'm Danny Mac. Thank you for listening to the Danny Mac podcast. Please tell your friends about it. Tell your friends who are baby boomers. It's not that hard. Just just a couple of keystrokes. See, I get all choked up talking about it's ease. Just a couple of keystrokes gets you subscribed, and that's wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's Amazon, YouTube, doesn't matter. It's it's all there for you, and it's all free. Have yourselves a great week. I'm going to go make tall grass short. I'm Dan McNeil, and I'm, I'm going to see you later. Goodbye. <laughs>